Amen. Turn with me to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 17 if you've got your Bible or something you can read from. What a great time we had Thursday night here at the church. And I, I, there was just tons of people that filtered through this building, some that I, I would think had never been here before probably. Uh, got to make a lot of connections with people and, and had a good time. And, and what a great success that was. Thank you to everybody who contributed to that. Uh, all the food, the games, if you had a, a truck or treat vehicle, amen. And, and we've crowned a chili champion. And it wasn't rigged, you know. It's just, you can, you can brag on your pastor. He's a chili champion. Amen. And the Lord said it was good. Uh, but we're going to have a good time this morning. And the Lord's going to move in the house of God. We're going to baptize Brother J.R. Amen. Give Brother J.R. a big hand this morning. Give Brother J.R. Amen. We're going to go down in Jesus' name. But let's, let's dig into the Word for a few minutes this morning. If you got your bulletin, it's in there as well. But before we read the passage in 1 Chronicles, I'm going to read from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 5. This is our focus verse this morning. It all begins with this uh, command. Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, shalt thou build me an house for me to dwell in. And so it's, it's a bit between a command and a question here. It's almost like a rhetorical question. God's sending a message, are you going to build me a house? And then we get to 1 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 3, and we're going to read several verses here, but this, this is the end of that scenario. In verse 3, and it came to pass the same night that the word of God, everybody say the word, came to Nathan saying go and tell David my servant thus saith the Lord thou shalt not build me a house to dwell in for I have not dwelt in a house since the day that I brought up Israel unto this day but have gone from tent to tent and from one tabernacle to another wheresoever I have walked with all Israel spake I a word to any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people, saying, Why have ye not built me an house of cedars? Now therefore, thus shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, even from following the sheep, that thou shouldest be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with thee whithersoever thou hast walked, and have cut off all thine enemies, from before thee, and have made thee a name like the name of the great men that are in the earth. Also I will ordain a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, and they shall dwell in their place, and shall be moved no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness waste them any more, as at the beginning. And since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, moreover I will subdue all thine enemies. Furthermore, I tell thee that the Lord will build thee a house. And it shall come to pass, when thy days be expired, that thou must go to be with thy fathers, in other words, when you're going to pass, that I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house. Yes. 
and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him that was before thee. When he says from him that was before thee, he's referring to Saul. I took it from Saul, but I'm not going to take it from this young man. But I will settle him in mine house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forevermore. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. So first, are you going to build me a house? And then, you're not going to build me a house. Well, what changed? What happened here? What, and why is it now going to be his son? What's, what's the deal here? We're talking this morning about, you see the subject in your bulletin, leadership and God's voice. I want to hone in specifically this morning on receiving a word from the Lord. How many just enjoy receiving a word from the Lord? Come on now, there ain't a whole lot better than that. I mean, you got, you got the Holy Ghost. That's a great experience. You're receiving the Spirit. But then there's sometimes you receive a word from the Lord. And, and sometimes it's prophecy. Sometimes it's in his written word. Sometimes the preacher preaches a word. Sometimes it's just revealed to you. You know that sometimes, actually most of the time, if I believe if God gives me a sermon, I know it's different with everybody else. Some people um, get sermons in their Cheerios and everything. But I just get, with God, I don't hear an audible voice. When, when, when I get a message that I feel like he wants me to preach, a lot of times it's like an organic thought in my mind that he just sort of manifests. You know that God will do that for you? You don't got to be a preacher for that. You ain't got to be an ordained minister for that. You ain't even got to be a part of the fivefold ministry. God will give you an organic thought that didn't come from you. But he created your mind. And he commanded to think whatever he wants. And so he delivers a word to you in your mind, you know, and it wasn't a thought that come from you. It's clearly from God. You know, this is, this is the answer. This is the solution. This is the comfort from the Lord, you know. And it comes so many different ways, a word from the Lord. But, oh, it's so special when it happens. Amen. And you thank God when you receive that word from the Lord. And it, it, a lot of times we go in search, and you always need to be in search for a word from the Lord. But, but you don't need to live and the end all be all you waiting on a word from the Lord. Because guess what? There's some times that God chooses not to speak. And you're just going to have to deal with it. Because it's God. And sometimes he's not speaking because he's waiting on us to take action. And what we know is right. And what we know we got to do. There's somebody I know that they live their life waiting on God to tell them specifically what they need to do nearly every day. And, and they've, you know, I've talked to them before. And it, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord to tell me, you know, what my ministry is and what I'm called. And I've, I've just had to say, until God does something like that, and you're not sure of it, he's already told every person, no matter what ministry they're in, what they need to do in their life. That's right. And just because you feel like, you're called to maybe be a missionary, but the Lord hadn't come out and said it. Don't mean you can't teach a Bible study to somebody down the street. Right. Amen. 
We're hitting the ground running this morning. Yes. But you see what I'm saying? You, you can't just always live waiting on a word from the Lord. That's right. Because you've always got a word. I mean, you can read this on the live long day. And the words they're provided a lot of times may not be completely situational for you, but there's always a word accessible. Okay? Now, I heard a story one time, uh, and it's a true story. It's a little bit frightening, but there was somebody that, that was going to a church, and they were one of these people that's just always waiting on that word from the Lord. I mean, every time, they, they don't hear a word from the Lord every day. You know, there's something's wrong, something <clears throat> bad wrong. You don't need to feel that way, by the way. That's right. All right? Uh, and they would go to pastor before service, and I need to hear a word from the Lord today. And I need, boy, I, yeah, I, I need to hear some prophecy. And thank God for that. I don't belittle any of that today. But the pastor got to a point where he was like, These, this, they're going to have to get past this little mode here of everything always completely being supernatural. Sometimes you just live in the will of God and do what you know you're supposed to do. And so he said, Lord, if there is a word from you, he started praying, if there is a word from you that they need to hear, I pray that you'll give it to me. And so this man kept approaching him, and he kept on praying, and he approached him again, I need a word from the Lord. I need a word from the Lord. And that pastor prayed, and one day God gave him a word from the Lord <laughs> right in front of the man. You know what he told him? God says you need to be faithful to your wife. You wanted the word. And I guess you needed the word. Not what you wanted to hear. But you want a word from the Lord. You seek it enough. God will give it to you. You know. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes. Sometimes God acts in. Uh, he'll give you a little spanking sometimes. You know what I mean? In what he does. And so. You might have been hearing the word of the Lord a whole lot more if you'd not been living in sin. You know? Amen. You'd been hearing things that were positive. But when God has to speak and you're trying to force him to speak and you're not living right, he'll speak. But it may not be good. Amen. Sodom and Gomorrah. Seeking all these things. Something crazy to happen. Wild folks. Well, something crazy happened. You know? Fire and brimstone is what happened. Right, And so you can seek God. There's nothing wrong with seeking a word from the Lord. But that is not everything in living for God. That's right. God speaks words in order to either give reproof, correction sometimes. But sometimes he just speaks so we'll take action. And he's right. awaiting that. He's awaiting that. And so uh, here he asks... He asked David, are you going to build me a house? You know, God has principles that he has set in order. There's laws that God has set in order. Do you know that if today, this morning, we were to take uh, this baby grand piano and then we were to take this microphone and we were to climb up to the top of a very tall building 
and we were to drop both of them at the same time, they would land at the same time. Now that's hard for people to believe, and for a long time, that was not believed. People believed that that piano would fall first because of the weight of it, but that has nothing to do with it. It's the force of gravity, and that's a law that God has set in order. Now today, we've got things that go against gravity. We've got planes that transport us miles and miles against gravity. But you know what? We all still fight gravity. We all still fight gravity, no matter what. You're standing on the ground right now. We all fight. It's a law of God. And God has set laws in order that can't be escaped, such as authority in the kingdom of God. The best place to start in living for God is respecting the authority he's put in order. Amen. And listening to the authority that he's put in order. The anointed men and women of God that he has placed in his kingdom. And it's just a law. It's part of it. And we live in a world where there's a lot of disrespect for authority. More than there ever has been. And uh, do you realize that every power that there is, doesn't matter if they're good or not, I'm going to get real political this morning, but, you know, whether you like the president or not, whether you agree with him or not, his power has only been given to him because God allowed him to have it. That's right. And that goes with anybody in any kind of power. The only reason I'm standing here before you today is not have anything to do with me, but because God allowed me to stand here before you today. Yes. And so if anybody has power, the scripture says, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now, that's pretty strong wording. But particularly with the ministry, the pastorship, and the anointing of God, to resist against that is a very dangerous place to be. Amen. And the person who desires to accomplish anything positive in life is wise to understand authority and work in the authority of God and respect the authority that he puts in place. Just an example of this is that before starting a major renovation project in Jerusalem, Nehemiah sought approval of the king. That's the first thing he did. It's biblical. And the king had the authority to make or break the success of that undertaking. And so God ordained authority in this world to bring order and to avoid the chaos of every person, as the scripture says, doing what is right in his own eyes. Because that's what people do. Right. We're placed on this earth and everybody's got their own opinion. Everybody believes what they want to believe. Do your own thing. Be your own person. And that's, there's a place for all that. But there's still the authority of God that goes against the chaos. It's order that he's put in place. And it's important that we work in tandem and in submission with the man of God in our life and to those in authority over us because God often, now listen to this, he often chooses to speak to them first. And we ought to consider that. Yes. You may know a lot about the word. You may know a lot about living for God. But chances are God has spoken to that authority anointed figure in your life about your situation in a different way than you feel like God has spoken to you. And 
we need to hear what the man or woman of God in our life has got to say to us. Amen. We don't know what God may have spoken to them. We don't know what word God may have given to them. And so we got to respect that authority that God's put in our life. And there's several ways that he'll speak to us. Of course, we've got, we've already talked about this morning, his word, the Bible that, that he's handed to us. It's a supreme channel. But God speaks to us through prayers, uh, through your own personal devotion, in um, moments in the presence of God. He'll speak to us through leaders he's put in our lives, through messages, through words, even private conversation with uh, a pastor. God can speak to us through him. And David, in this moment, expressed a desire to build a house for God. This is, this is what he's feeling. And he felt badly that David lived in a fine house of cedars. You understand at this point, David's very successful. He's famed throughout the land and um, he's well recognized and he doesn't want for really anything. And he's living in the house of cedars while God's presence was still symbolically headquartered in a tent outside. And so, without question, David's passion for building a house of God, it's understandable. I'm living in the house of cedars, and I put the presence of God in a tent. I want to ask you this morning, where do you feel like or how well do you feel like you're housing the presence of God in your life? Is it better than we treat our own selves? Is it, do, we, do we treat ourselves with more consideration and more eagerness in our life than we do the presence of God? I want to tell you what it, what it ought to be this morning. And this is the way that I feel. I don't know about you. But when I walk into the house of God and I understand that I'm walking into a moment where the Lord can divinely speak into my life and anything can happen in His presence, I want to make sure that I have set up an atmosphere in a parameter where God can just do whatever he yeah, wants. Man. And he'll feel comfortable. I don't want to set God up in a little tent down the road. But I want him to be in a house of cedars. Where he can feel welcome. And warm and at home. So here's where this really hits home today. Back then, it was an actual house. Today, we call this the house of God. But what the real house of God is, the Bible says, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And so, I've got to make this house right and fit for him to live in. I've got to make sure that there's nothing that's going to Corrupt the presence of God and maybe make the presence of God leave out of my life. Something I'm doing, something I'm living in that I ought not to, needs to get out. 
Because I don't want to put him in a tent. I want him to be in a house of cedars. Amen. Amen. Now, if somebody, some dignitary, somebody important calls you up, say today that the governor calls you up and says, I've got to stay in your town and I need somewhere to spend the night. I need to stay at your house. And you decide, okay, we're going to do that. Well, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to leave your dirty laundry spread out in the living room? Are you, you know, are you going to leave the Little Caesars pizza from last week sitting on the dining table? No, you're not going to do that. You know, you're going to make this place as fitting as you possibly can in your situation for the governor showing up. When family comes in to stay at our house, we fix things up, you know, make it all look good, appropriate and ready for them. We get food ready. We're putting a mess on in the kitchen. Amen. And we're getting everything prepared for them. And we're serious about it. Amen. Now, we'll make a house of cedars for a lot of things. Come on. But there ought to be a preparing of ourselves. For the Spirit of God. Amen. And every once in a while, just like spring cleaning, we ought to just clean some stuff out. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. And make sure that there's nothing that's going to offend the presence of God. Now, I've talked about peace in the home. You know that sometimes we don't have peace in our homes because there's something in our homes that needs to get out. That's right. That's right. And God's not, the presence of God is not going to jive with that, okay? You don't feel the peace there because there's something that goes against God that we're housing. And it just puts God out in the tent. You gotta do spring cleaning sometimes. Well, I hope you clean your house more than spring cleaning. Maybe, you know, that's what repentance is. We need to repent more than once in our life. Yes. <laughs> and yes. <clears throat> this is so off topic this morning, but as you progress in your relationship with God, the further you go along. The closer you get to God, the more things have to be removed that don't agree with the presence of God. That's right. And so, maybe at the beginning of it all, you felt like, you know, you got rid of a few things in your life. You had to. You, you repented. You know, you, you made a 180 degree turn from those things. And, and there's some things you just felt that it wasn't a problem, but now... A year down the road, you, you're starting to feel some things around you that it's like, I need to, that I don't need to do that anymore. Right. I don't need to talk that way anymore. Right. I don't need to live that way anymore. I don't need to present myself that way anymore. Right. That's not um, legalism. You understand what I'm saying? Nobody's told you that feeling. That's the Holy Ghost. Right. Amen. That's impressing it upon you. Amen. If I'm going to live in this house, yeah. 
there's something that's got to leave. And even 10, 15, 20, 40 years in your relationship with God, He's still going to be impressing it upon you. Leave this and get closer to this. Stop doing this and start doing this. And you'll move into different things. And God, God moves you into different realms in the Holy Ghost. And in order to do that sometimes, you've got to leave some baggage behind you. Amen. Amen. There's a weight limit on the carry-on. <laughs> All right? Yeah. And you put that stuff on the machine and it's running through and you're scanning it and the thing's beeping and God's like, get that out. Yes. <laughs> well, it's just 20 ounces of mouthwash. Isn't that crazy? You ever been on a plane, you can only have so many ounces of stuff in the bottle, no matter what it is. I ain't going to blow up this plane with mouthwash, you know. It seems all right to you. But the Holy Ghost don't agree with you. It can't pass. Come on. Boy, they take that stuff seriously. You know, if you've ever been to an airport, they're scanning everything you got. Yeah. And they're going to scan you. You're going to feel uncomfortable about it. But we're serious about what we're housing in this place. We don't want nothing to corrupt. This plane ride. And we get serious about that, you know. It, oh, it's important. I don't belittle that. But my Lord, I don't want anything to corrupt the Holy Ghost in my life. Amen. And people start dropping off things. And, and just allowing some things back into their life and they think that it's okay. It's not really hurting anything. I don't read anything specific in the Bible about that, but you don't understand you're corrupting the Holy Ghost in your life. Amen. My God, there's nothing worse that you could do. Cause his spirit to leave. Get out back in the tent. So David's concerned that he's living in the house of cedars and the presence of the Lord is quartered in a tent. But God had another plan regarding David's desire. And so God spoke to Nathan. Everybody say Nathan. Nathan, Nathan the authority figure in David's life. He didn't speak to David. He spoke to Nathan right. to speak to David. The authority figure in his life. David might not have known it if he hadn't listened to the authority figure in his life. God wanted to make sure that David, even as king, still respected the authority that God had placed in his life. So it doesn't matter how far you get in the spiritual realm in prayer, in whatever, you know, whatever it is that you've got going on in your relationship with God, you still report spiritually to somebody in Holy Ghost authority. That's right. Amen. And we've got to respect that and honor God's order. Amen. And after speaking with David positively regarding David's desire to build a house for God, Nathan retired to his place of abode for the night and God spoke vividly to Nathan. That night regarding David's plan to build the house. 
And it came to pass the same night, this is 1 Chronicles chapter 17, that the word of God came to Nathan, not David, to Nathan saying, Go and tell David my servant, Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build me a house to dwell in. No uncertain terms. God left no room for doubt in the matter. David was not to build a house for God. And we learn more regarding his conclusion to David's plan in chapter 28. Then David the king stood upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in mine heart to build a house to rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build an house for my name. Because, why? Thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. The whole idea here was that David had shed blood, the blood of people created in the image of God in war. And God determined that David's son, Solomon, would be the one to build a house for him. Now, we should not be surprised at God choosing to speak and work through his authorized leaders as he did with Nathan, <coughs> the prophet. God established authority for a reason. He's got an office of a prophet for a reason. If God's got a prophet, he's going to speak through the prophet. And occasionally he may speak in some other way, but it's natural. This is the, the organization and the order of God. He's going to speak through the office of a prophet, surely. And so God did that, and he established that authority for that reason. He spoke clearly to Nathan, and it was Nathan's responsibility to take that word to David. And Nathan delivered those words to him, and Nathan was responsible for doing nothing less. He would be held accountable and made sure that he delivered this word to David. David was the king, and he could have been disappointed at this, that he wasn't going to be the one to build the house. He was concerned with it. He could have been that way. That's not who David was. He could have even started possibly even having... Nathan killed if he got mad about it, but he didn't do that. What would be your concerns this morning if you were charged with taking a negative spiritual message to a person of authority or power? When God gives a word for you to deliver, However he does it, it does not matter the social status of who you're giving it to. It doesn't matter the power of the person that is before you. God says, don't worry about them having more authority or power than you. If I've given you a word to speak to them, let my word be enough. Amen. We've got to let the word of God be enough for us. Yes, amen. We don't need to put some spin of our own or do it in some special way, you know. I seen a clip the other day of uh, 
a minister that's not in the truth, well known throughout the world. Read a set of scriptures in front of a large crowd of people. And then, I can't even remember specifically what it was or what he was talking about, but he said something after he read the scriptures that, boy, it sounded powerful, and people were losing their minds in that crowd. But it irked me to no end because it was the wrong interpretation of the scriptures. Amen. And he said it in just the right way to get everybody out of their seats and get everybody pumped up. But it wasn't what the word said. We've got to let the word be enough Amen. as it is Amen. without our spin and out, without our way of doing it. Just act on what God says, no matter how powerful they are, no matter how many people they are, and let his word do the talking. God don't need our help. He's God all by himself. Yes, amen. He didn't need us to begin with. But we're just privileged he chooses to speak through us. Amen. amen. I don't want to corrupt that. That's another thing that needs to get out of the house. Amen. And so we let his word be enough. Pastors and other spiritual authorities are accountable to God for, for providing spiritual guidance to us in authority that we have to submit to. Amen. And the word is always bigger than the person that's delivering it. It's always bigger right. than them. And we've got to carry it that way. I've got to carry, when I receive a word for somebody, I've got to carry it in such a way where I honor that word and respect it more than I honor myself and respect myself. That's right. Amen. Even if it makes me appear to be a mean person, it's not me saying it, it's the word saying it. Yes. Come from God. So there's spiritual gifts being released in this church. And if you feel that, and I believe you will feel a word from the Lord, you need to release yourself from that word. You've got to be removed of self and be word only. It doesn't need help. It doesn't need a bump up. It doesn't even need just the right tone of voice you think it needs. Just speak it. Amen. Amen. All of the earth created without God even really doing anything but speaking. Saying it. Let there be light. And it just appears. Amen. Nobody had to support that. The firmament. The waters. Let it be. It is. They didn't have to get a garden hose out there and start helping him. Right. It's just there. The word's enough. Yes, it It's is. enough for me. Amen. It's got to be enough for everybody. Amen. And we've got to let the word be the word. And so God speaks through spiritual leaders. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Amen. When people say, oh, I need a word. Oh, I need a word. Usually they're searching for something that they want to hear. Which is only half of what God says. Amen. 
we could read some scriptures in the major and minor prophets this morning that would show that very clearly. They want to hear something that makes them happy, something that validates their situation. But God doesn't always give a word that fits our desires. That's right. Here's a question for you today. Can you receive a word that pleases God and it doesn't please you? Amen. That's hard. Yes. But if you've got a desire after God's own heart, it won't matter if it agrees with you or not. It's just got to agree with him. It's That's just right. got to be in the will of God. Surely David was disappointed. He was hearing something that he didn't think was the way it was going to be. I just want to build God a house. You're not going to build me a house. It's the will of God, no matter if you like it or not. And that's the way his word comes sometimes. It's not exactly what we wanted to hear. But there's another important fact that accompanied David's response to the word of God. While he accepted, this, this is very important this morning, while he accepted the pronouncement that he would not be allowed to build a house, he recognized, nonetheless, that there were actions that he could take toward the fulfillment mm. of that vision. So you know what David began to do? He began to acquire and stockpile the building materials yes. that would one day be required for building the temple. You're never going to build it. It's going to come to pass. It will. You're not going to be the one to build it. Well, I'll at least get the material in order. Amen. 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 Praise God. When prophecy and a word goes forth, you don't just sit around counting the hours to the fulfillment. Right. You walk in the will of God toward the fulfillment. Yes, amen. And so, if God has spoken some things over your life today, and it's just like, well, it's not happened yet. I don't see it. It's not coming to pass. I don't see it manifesting. You just need to walk toward that. Amen. amen. If you know you're about to make a second car purchase over the one that you got, you probably lean toward the house with two garages instead of the one, even though you don't have the second car yet. Because you're walking toward that. It's the same way in God. He says, I'm going to win your whole family. Come on. Come on. Yes, amen. I don't sit around trying to win the one. That's interesting. I'm going to talk to every one of them. And share the word with every one of them. And tell them about what happened at church Sunday morning. Because it's not His will that the one be saved. His word said every one of them. Yes. Well, I'm just going to sit in the corner at family reunion. And... Ain't none of them living for God. I might have a chance at that one. That's not what God said. Amen. You know what you can do spiritually? You can go out and start stockpiling the materials for God to do a miracle. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Lord, it may not be in my lifetime, but I'm going to make sure I just make the way for you. 
John the Baptist didn't look good while he was doing it, but he knew at some point there was a Savior coming through. That's right. He was just the messenger. So I'm just going to make straight the way. And I'm going to make it clear to everybody about the one that's coming that's better than I. Amen. And you're not living right, and you've got problems here, and I can tell you about all that, but that's just because there's somebody coming that's going to make a way for you. Right. How can you today begin making a stockpile for God? What prayer can you pray that God is going to be able to answer? Preach. Feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen. Let's stand together. Praise God. It says obedience is greater than sacrifice. I desire obedience more than I do sacrifice. Amen. Amen. If it's spoken, just obey and walk in it. Come on, I feel like we've opened up a door this morning. Somebody, you've been laboring in prayer for a long time over something, and God says, start stockpiling the materials that I can work with. Start giving me the materials in your everyday life where I can work a miracle before your eyes. While the Spirit's moving right now, I want you to reach over and lay a hand on somebody. Find somebody right now. Find somebody right now. Pray for them in the Holy Ghost. Pray for them in the Holy Ghost.